Fourth and final hour. Darren, Donick, and Chase here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Hope everybody's having a good Tuesday out there. Darren McFarland, Chase McCabe alongside. Willie D is out in Vegas. Tonight it will be the Predators and Golden Knights. Nine o'clock puck drop. I'll have pregame for you starting at eight o'clock. A little late night hockey right here on 102.5 The Game. At three o'clock they'll be kicking off over on West End as Vanderbilt will host Missouri and their head coach who joins us this time every week is on the line with us, Derek Mason. Coach, how you doing? Jason Darren, man, right back at it, man. It's 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 go time, it's work time, so let's get it. You know we've been talking to you. This is year six for you, and yeah. we've been talking to you since day one. Mm-hmm. And we really appreciate that. And there have been dips over the years, and we've had to talk to you after those dips, and so you've had to dig your way out of those dips, and yet you're in one of those dips again. So I guess the first question, Derek, is you've done it before. How are you going to dig them out this time? <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> it's not like it's not like it's new territory for me. Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't want to keep finding myself back here, but, man, but here's <laughs> where we find ourselves today. So, you know, with that, um, there's, there's, there's definitely a reference point um, and I do understand, uh, you know, man, what's at stake, you know, man, in terms of an opportunity this week. Um, and, and that's all we can do. I mean, I mean, I've been here before, and the ability to look at it, you know, man, one day at a time, one hour at a time, it's different with, with every team. You've got to find out what works, you, you know, with, with this team, not the team of two years ago, not the team of a couple of years before that. Um, I, this, this team is different. I mean, it's got talent. Um, it's got it's – got, Veteran talent's got young talent, and you know everybody's you know man, emotionally stuck right now. So what we got to do is just make sure man, that we get unstuck, um, and we 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 work on you know in the process. We work on the things you know man, that are there, and it sounds ambiguous, but it's not. There there are a lot of little things. Okay, man. There's there's incremental wins. There's incremental uh, uh, you know opportunities for us to 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 win the day and make an investment. And when you do that, and and you do enough of it, it all starts to add up. Man, we're just not having enough of it add up because um, I mean, the product during the week, uh, you know, and how hard these guys work, you know, just is not showing up on Saturday. So, um, and again, just looking for the, the, the right formula. And that's going to come. You just got to stick with the process. Look, I was, I was honestly, I was, that was a compliment. I remember those conversations. I remember in 2016, you were in that same boat and you won four of your last six and including where you went to Athens and got things on track by beating – Georgia and then last right. year you won what three of your last four so I'm I'm saying you've been in this spot and you've yeah. you guys have dug your way out of it that's all and and I and I agree I wouldn't I I I think you know I mean the question was a good question I mean it's a question that you know I mean, I'm glad you asked because uh, like for me I'm not I'm not I'm not defensive or not uh, uh, um, uh, really on edge I just feel like this team's got something I do and you, you know what people say yeah well that's just coach speak well. Yeah, I mean, maybe for a lot of coaches. I mean, uh, I mean, I say what I believe. It doesn't make it right, but uh, you know, I mean, I do believe it. And 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 with this group, I mean, it's it's been hard. Okay, I mean, it, it's been it's been up and down. It's been all over the place. And you know, the, the leaders, uh, the 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 team itself, uh, the work has got to get done. The magic comes, you know, when when you believe that. That, that what you're doing is for a common purpose, and that thing is, is you know, it sits at the forefront of what you believe. I mean, if you don't believe it, well, then you're just dumb grinding. You're just doing the work to do the work. You've got to believe in the end game. And I was speaking to somebody earlier um, and, and, and said, you know what, I remember, you know, waking up after winning the Rose Bowl 
And I, I mean, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning, and I mean, it, it was it was still with me. We had just won the Rose Bowl, and I was so excited, and I knew, man, that I was never going to be in that time again. You know what? You you gotta you gotta feel that way about you know. I mean, sometimes, I man, you gotta be excited about the little things. You gotta take you know, I mean, the little wins and be excited about the little wins, and then the big ones come. You know, I, I mean, everybody can be excited about the big one, but when you get excited about the little one, it starts to rekindle, it starts to reshape, it starts to you know, make a new exactly you know who you are, what why you work, and what it does. Because the day after that Rose Bowl, it was right back to work. Yeah. And so and and so that's where I am now. You brought up the word believe, and you said today. Coach, that uh, your team has never quit and they never will. Why, yeah. why do you believe in this team, and why do you believe that about this team the rest of the way? Well, I, first of all, I, I, I don't recruit uh, you know quitters. Okay, I man, I, mean, I recruit Vanderbilt men, and you know, I mean, regardless of you know, I mean, the circumstance that they find themselves in, you know, I mean, that's not an option. You know, you you can't. This is about this. Sometimes this is much bigger than the game, but it's very much how this game teaches you about life. You know, man, you, you, you quit now, you'll quit on your family, you'll quit on, uh, you know, uh, man, the people you love, you'll quit on work, you'll quit on, you know, opportunities. This is much bigger than, than, than the game, but it relates to the game. So when things get hard, you know, I mean, I'm trying to get young people to trust, you know, man, in, in, in the process. I'm trying to get young people to trust in, in, in people that they may not always, you know, man, believe in or they think, you know, man, has an agenda. Okay, this is, it's big. Okay, I mean, it's bigger than the game. It's big, uh, you know, in terms of what we need to get to the other side. And so, uh, lean into the adversity. Let's stay the course, and we're we're going to be better because of it. Okay, so everybody's on the same page. Everybody still believes. Nobody's quitting. So then, how do you get it done on the football field? What needs to change for you to get the results you're looking for? The level of consistency. Okay, we, we've seen it in ball games. Okay, we we've. We've looked at and, and and people say, well, man, that's that that sounds so simplistic. Well, why have why has this football team in every ball game offensively come out and been able to take the ball down the field, no matter who the opponent was, and put points on the board? Okay, I mean, it's the same game plan that we worked on during the week. It looked like it did during the week. We functioned, you know. I mean, I mean, practice was, you know, in high energy. Guys were working, um, and they're trying to be greedy, and they're working towards, you know, what we need. But then there's a lull on the backside of it. I can't explain it. I mean, I'm looking for the answers just like everybody else. But, I mean, it's my job to get those answers. Defensively, why can't we stop anybody in the first couple of series and then we go uh, a quarter, a quarter and a half, two quarters uh, of, of being able to do it? It's just not on the front end. That doesn't lead to, to, to the type of football that we want to play. It's a four-quarter game, okay? The consistency I'm, – I'm not saying that we have to be perfect for four, for four quarters. We've got to be consistent. And in the consistency, you know, like comes the success. We we just got to do what we do better. Coach Derek Mason of Vanderbilt here with us on Darren Donick and Chase and Coach. I'm going to preface the, this what I'm this question with uh, with the statement, and that is, you know, all of us we're not in your office, we're not on the sidelines with you, we're not at practice every day with you, so we don't see the things that you see with your players and, and your staff. And and I you know was reading from your press conference of talking about that your team hasn't quit, like Darren was saying, and that you have these leaders on your team and and I do see that why so with all that said this time of year you know how it goes you start hearing people saying well they're not playing well so somebody's got to lose their job continuity to me with a team like this that has leaders and and is so tight-knit continuity is so important so is that how you see it that you know firing somebody isn't going to fix anything 
Yeah, I, I think I talked about that in the press conference. Somebody asked me that question, and and, and you know I prefaced it with, okay, I man, you don't turn around, okay, I man, if you're if if you're you know, man, sitting in a, a a fire pit with somebody, or 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 you know, man, if you're out, okay, man, and, and and you're camping, and you guys hear something, now all of a sudden you don't turn around, and start shooting the guy next to you. <laughs> that, that's not that's not what you do, okay? You 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 try to make sure I mean, that you can rally around you man know, one another and make sure you can support one another because in these times sometimes I man you feel like that's all you got, and so th- th- this thing is about you know family and sticking together and understanding that you know I mean, I mean there's a time and a place where where everything's got to be considered, but you know man, man when you implode, okay man like right now if that if, if that's your first instinct is the in, in, is the you know in fight or flight. Well then, we, I've, I've got the wrong people. I'm coaching with the wrong people. Okay, man, I'm the wrong man for the job, and, and and we all need to be looking for something else. That's not who you have. That's not who I am. That's not what we do. Uh, that's not what I expect. That's not um, I mean, who I've hired. That's not the that's that's not the type of guys that I've recruited. And so, man, we're we're going to stay as one. We're going to march all the way to the end. That's what we're going to do. That's what it's going to look like. And and you know, at the end of the season, okay, man, you evaluate everything that you've done. Okay, man, everything that needs to be better. But right now, okay, man, you it's not about like being right because when you fire somebody, he's like, "Okay, well, you 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 got to you got you got to do this right now." It's about getting it right. And getting it right, okay, man, has everything to do with everybody putting their best foot forward. So let's do that. How much do you sit down during, you know, obviously you're worried about what's going on on the field, but there are some, you know, facilities, things like that. You have a new boss in Malcolm Turner. How much have you been able to sit down with him and discuss some things that you need to help make you more successful? You know what? Those are – I mean, that's a good question. And, you know, Malcolm, uh, you know, has stepped up and, 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 and been supportive. I mean, he's been on trips. I mean, he's had a chance to look behind the curtain and, and see him exactly what goes on. Everybody doesn't get an opportunity. And I believe – you know, I mean, that's why people get so upset, you know, man, because they, they – they want to believe a certain thing about their product. They want to believe a certain thing about, uh, you know, who we are, man, and, and, and what we represent. And, you know, sometimes when you get a chance to look behind the curtain, okay, man, man, and see exactly where you're at, I mean, it looks a little different. I mean, he's been supportive. Uh, he's going he's gonna to continue to look and evaluate and make sure, man, that we, 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 we're doing what we need to be doing. Uh, you know, man, from a staff perspective, making sure that our players, uh, you know, man, get what they need. Um, and in terms of resources, um, and because that's something that we're always fighting for and something that we're working towards. But it's not an overnight fix. You know, I, 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 the, doable, the doable will get done. You know, the, the incredible, it takes a little longer. So, so what we've got to do, man, is, is make sure we can fix the doable. And, and, and I believe that there's a lot of doable, uh, you know, opportunities in front of us. Uh, it starts this week, uh, you know, in terms of what we have with the practices that lead us up to Missouri. You've uh, you've used both quarterbacks a lot this season. Uh, expect to do more of the same going into Missouri. Yeah, I mean it. It doesn't change for me right now. Uh, you know, I'm I'm looking to tighten it up. I'm looking to be better. I'm looking to challenge these guys more. Looking to put them in in stressful situations. Because uh, because again, there's there's a winning formula to playing football. I mean, I mean, there really is. When you start to look at the, you know, sacks given up and 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 the sacks you get, when you start looking at, you know, turnover margin, okay. I mean, I mean, when you start to look at the hidden yardage and penalties, and special teams are included in that, and then you start to look at, you know, uh, getting explosive plays offensively. I mean, offensively and defensively, and limiting, you know, those those on either side, you know, like to a certain degree. Offensively, we want them. Defensively, we're trying to shut them down. That's the winning formula. 
Okay, it's not yards, it's not this, it's not that. It's 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 that idea of production and what it looks like in terms of field position, uh, productiveness in terms of sacks, no sacks, and and really just making sure man, that we can, uh, you know, take advantage of, of of red zone opportunities when they come. That's what we need to do. That's where we need to be better. That's where our focus is, and that's what practice looks like. Man, I hope your players feel like you right now because I can tell you're <laughs> chomping at the bit to get back out there. Right? I am. It, it, it just it, you, you got to be that way. You got to be dogmatic about how you live your life because you only get one. I love it. Hey, go change the narrative this week against Missouri, and then you'll have an extra week to get prepared for South Carolina. But let it start this week. Thanks for doing this as always. All right, thank you. All right, that is Derek Mason, Vanderbilt head football coach. We'll come back discuss a little bit more of that on the other side. ESPN 102.5 The Game. Bottom of the hour, we'll head out to Vegas, learn a little bit more about tonight's opponent for the Predators. So what did you make of Derek Mason's words? Which, you know, like I said, at the end, you can can feel the passion. Like He yeah. got asked in postgame after the loss to UNLV about his job security. And, right. you know, he talked about no matter what his contract says because he was given a new deal, right, in the yeah. offseason. And so he said, I, I – I live year to year, no matter what my contract says, and obviously that's a that's a good way to approach things. But I'll stick to what I said before. Look, I I think he loves where he is. I think he loves Vanderbilt. I think he loves being the head coach there. It's not easy. A lot of coaches because he got looks last year because of the frustration. Rumors out there that he got some looks last year. Look, it's not an easy place. It's the SEC, and you have the least amount of help of anybody in the conference. And so it's not an easy job. We all know that. And he legitimately looks and feels like he's happy, happy to be there. Does he want to win more? Sure. Of course. But it's not for everybody. And I'm just saying I get it. It's a results business. He gets paid well. That's the one thing I can't say anything about Vanderbilt. They have stepped up and they've paid him well. I mean, they don't go on the cheap. James Franklin kind of changed all that. And Derek Mason has been able to reap – the rewards and the benefits of what James Franklin's three-year body of work did. It got him paid. You know, who's, who knew the Vanderbilt coach would get, what, what does he make, about 3.8, something like that, close yeah. to $4 million a year, which, you know, I'd have laughed at 10 years ago. I mean, I would have said for four, for almost $4 million, I would have said that would be like a four-year deal yeah. for a Vanderbilt football coach. And so I get it. The UNLV loss, but I just I go back to – what what do you think is going to be different? Okay, fine. Give me the coach. One, you'd have to go convince somebody to come here. Everybody acts like everybody's staying in line. Give me a break. That is not the case. Can Gus Malzahn turn it down? Well, yeah. They've, of course, yeah. they've been turned down by a lot of them. Freaking yeah. Army. I mean, they get turned down by Army. I mean, come Denardo on. Denardo bolted for LSU. I mean, so it, it just who, who's coming in? And So give me the magical names. Give right. me the magical names that are coming in. And all of a sudden – Vanderbilt is is in the eight nine win category year in and year out. Yeah. Who who's doing that in the same circumstances? James Franklin is the, the is the one that did right. That. Well, this That's just it. in. He's not coming back. No. So no, he, who else? There's going to be no more Vanderbilt. Give me the next mm-hmm. James Franklin. Give it to me. So you, you're going to strike gold twice? You yeah, know. Listen, I I don't. You know, you always hear the phrase, "You don't want to be the guy to follow the guy." And so when Derek Mason got the job, you know, I know I was like, man. That's tough. That's a tough act to follow because you're not going to do that again. Mm-hmm. It just it's not going to happen. And the the cupboard was bare. L- listen, if James Franklin had stayed, they might have been a six win team, maybe, but they lost a lot from those teams. I mean, Jordan Rogers was gone. 
They lost a ton of big players on defense and offense. So it's not like Derek Mason walks in and has the same team that James Franklin had. He had to start from scratch. And then you have a, a rookie head coach that had to go through those growing pains that you know we've seen time and time again out of Derek Mason, Jeremy Pruitt. We're seeing it out of Vrabel. I mean, it just that's a part of it. And so the fact that he's in year six has been I've I have been very surprised because I just I know Vanderbilt. I didn't think that was going to be the case, especially following the success of James Franklin. But he's made it work, and he's gotten them to some bowl games. And, yes, he hasn't had a winning season yet, but you have to factor in that those, you know, the loss was a bowl game. They have they got to the, the bowl two, game. Two, the two bowl losses changed. Sure. They changed it. They would be winning seasons, so, but they didn't win. Which I, I hate. It. I hate how they do that. Like, I think you should have the, the regular season record and then, then the bowl record and all that. But I – I think that with what he has had to work with, you do have to count all, you know, put that into account. And that's why I asked him the question, like, do you, do you sit down with your athletic director and do do you have those opportunities to talk about what you need to be successful? Because we all, it's well-documented. There are things that he needs that he doesn't have. We were just talking about it before he came on. So that's why I brought it up to him. Like you have a new boss that is, now looking at everything he hasn't been here before he hasn't worked in this market his you know he doesn't know Vanderbilt like David Williams did or anyone else before him so now he is evaluating and has a fresh set of eyes on this and can say okay well we need to go do something and we don't hear from Malcolm Turner he's behind the scenes he's behind the curtain as Derek Mason said but one of his first moves when he hadn't been on the job very long was he looked at the basketball program and said, you know what, not winning an SEC game, that's not good enough. We're going to buy the coach out and bring somebody else in. Now, it's more than that. It's, it's You have to get the facilities and raise the money for the facilities. That what That is what Derek Mason or any football coach is going to need to be successful because they're in the SEC. So you got to compete with other, other schools. But that's why I brought that up. Are they having those conversations? What is Malcolm Turner doing for Derek Mason for him to be successful? And if the answer is what we've all seen, which is the same, nothing's changed. What do you, yeah. what did you really expect? I mean, right. I, I just want to know what's realistic. And so you've had two seasons out of five. This is year six. It's not going to happen. We know a winning season's not happening no. this year. Okay, it's just not. But two in five years win bowl games they're winning seasons okay what did you what do you expect out of the Vanderbilt football coach I, I'm just I'm simply asking the question for all the people out there that just think that you know I and some of these losses I get it they're I'm surprised they haven't been more competitive there there's some real glaring weaknesses they got issues yeah. that nobody's been blown away by Riley Neal their defense uh, that has been I will say that has been the one thing that's been hard to figure out why they haven't better, been better defensively under Derek Mason because that's yeah. what he came in as, the the specialist, the guru out in the Pac-12, right? And even Tarver, you know, when he when Derek Mason said, you know what, I need to focus on being a head coach and not a coordinator. I, I need to be over my entire team. He brought in Tarver to be the, the defensive coordinator, and, and there were flashes last year that made you think, okay, that was a really good move. This year, not so much. So, but for all the people that are asking the job security question, and it's so easy right now to bang on Derek Mason. 
So let me get this straight. So you thought they were going to be something other than 0-3 to start the season? I mean, best case scenario is maybe maybe. maybe you find a way to go to Purdue and win. Maybe. But that was at the beginning of the year when they had all their weapons. They have one of the top receivers in the country, one of the top tight ends in the country. Jeff Brom is pretty good on offense. They've lost a lot since then. They just played their – I think it was their last game. They didn't have Rondell White. They didn't have the quarterback. I mean, they got injuries littered all over the place. Kind of like when they came in here for the bowl game. Yeah. And got trounced. But, I mean, most people thought, there's a real shot they start 0-3. Okay, so if most people thought you're going to start 0-3, okay. So they did. Then they beat Northern Illinois. Right. Okay. That's the game everybody says, okay, you got to win. They did. The Ole Miss game, like I said, it. that's the game – but, I mean, it's not like people had that as a win. It it was a little bit more lopsided than I expected. I, it wasn't I, as competitive as I expected. But to think going down – is Ole Miss world beaters this year? No. But you're still going to Oxford. It's not like, come on, Ole Miss was a touchdown favorite. I had that closer than 31-6. to six. Yes, I'll put it agreed. That agreed. That's that's what I'm saying. And then, you know, the one game, the one – but still, if, if I said to you at the beginning of the year, like, don't be surprised, they're going to lose, you know, they're going to lose an, at Ole Miss – would you be like, no, wait a minute. Don't tell no, me. No way. I, I, w- I would No way they lose that game. I mean, nobody's saying that. No. Okay, so you've got. I gave them a slight edge, but I also. So like, the one game that literally has shocked everybody, right? The one game is what just happened. Right. So UNLV. The day, so this whole week of the beatdown of Derek Mason and being asked at the press conference about his job security right after the game is because of a loss to UNLV, which is bad. That's the one game that nobody could have predicted. Other than that, what's different about the way it's played out? Right. Other than, That's, like I said, it's I probably expected a couple of them to be a little bit more competitive. Per, I think you put Purdue and Ole Miss, like when, you, when we're at SEC Media Days and we're having this conversation, you put Purdue and Ole Miss in the same category of – should be could close, win, could win, but two road games that they could yeah. easily lose, and, and then you then you maybe go okay, split those. Yeah, right. You're probably right. going best case scenario split. All right, we'll come back. We'll head out to Vegas. We do that next on Darren Donick and Chase, ESPN 102.5 The Game. You just heard it tonight. Preds out in Vegas to take on the Golden Knights. Always a fun game when those two get together. Back here on Darren Donick and Chase, Darren McFarland, Chase McCabe alongside. Willie D is out in Vegas. Of course, he'll be on the television call this evening. He'll join the show tomorrow. But right now, we head out to Vegas. Their radio play-by-play guy, Dan Duva, is on the line with us. Dan, how you doing? Uh, I'm I'm great and even better that uh, your producer, Max Herz, has decided to go with Bruce Springsteen as the bumper music. That's a great job. I have a feeling he had some inside info on that. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Yeah, not a bad choice for sure. So... Uh, the season is young. Uh, the Predators, unfortunately, lost a tough one after battling back in the third period in Los Angeles at the Staples Center on Saturday afternoon to tie it up at four in the third, give up a goal with less than a minute to go and a couple of more empty netters. And the next thing you know, they lost 7-4. Vegas comes in there the next night and just basically dominates Los Angeles. How would you say uh, you would view the start of the season to this point? Yeah, well, I mean, they're just to, to see how the Kings are different, that's the, the sample that both Nashville and Vegas fans have seen the last couple of days. Uh, it's not the same Kings team that we saw last year. It's a faster team, much more dangerous, it seems. And though they didn't score on a power play, they had some really good looks. 
Meanwhile, Vegas scored three power play goals. Now think about this. In 35 previous power play chances for Vegas, regular season and postseason combined, Knights had two power play goals. But they scored three in one game against the Kings. Like that's the difference in the game. Paul Stastny had four points. Um, it seems to me that a couple of games that haven't gone well, they weren't playing to their identity, the, the five-man unit, um, dumping pucks in prudently. They uh, were much more careful with the puck uh, in both games over the weekend, including the game against the Kings. Mark Stone was one of those guys. Certainly, just like the Predators, Vegas has been active at deadlines in the offseason. Heck, they've been active from the get-go. So Mark Stone was one of those guys, as Ottawa just basically got rid of their roster, who spent, uh, I guess, what was about 18, 20 games with you guys last year. Now that he's acclimated to the room and got things, how has he been to this point? I mean, he has been the, the most important player on the team, maybe short of the goaltender, Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, Mark is uh, better than a point per game since coming to the Golden Knights. He's now 31 games in. Um, the, the, the thing about Mark, it's not just that he happens to put up more points than anybody on the team. He is probably the most defensively responsible player that they have. 200-foot player leads the league in takeaways. And uh, to me, it's just a determination. Uh, the, the, the folks that uh, have Winnipeg roots, like Kelly McCrimmon, who was, uh, of course, uh, running the show with the Brandon Wheat Kings, uh, knows Mark Stone since he was a teenager and knows the, the kind of uh, person that he is and what he means not only on the ice but to the other guys in the room. Mark's 27 years old, just signed a long-term contract with the Golden Knights after the trade last year from Ottawa. And you think about how not only he's working with veteran guys like Max Pacioretty and Paul Stastny, who have been a great influence for Mark, but also Mark looking at some younger guys like Cody Glass in his first handful of NHL games and how he can rub off on, on a young man like that. So they're, they're, it's hard to capture all of the things that Mark Stone has brought to this team in just a, a short period of time. So you brought up Cody Glass, so let's talk about it. He was the sixth pick overall in the 2017 draft. How has he looked? What, uh, six games into his career? I'll use the word that Paul Stastny used, poised. Uh, that is Cody Glass so far. Something um, I wasn't at his age, at 20. I was not yeah. poised. <laughs> no, I can't say I was the same either. No, uh, but, but, you know, I, I think that when he has, um, it, it, and Paul has said it's not just about Cody, but, but a lot of younger players now, they're groomed from the age of 14. They're sort of subject to interviews and, and articles and now social media the way it is uh, compared to, say, when Paul Stastny broke in, uh, and even with a Hall of Fame dad, he didn't have the same sort of scrutiny as a teenager. But now um, you, you see that uh, Cody, with uh, the attention he's had in a couple of years, the team's first pick, sixth overall in 2017, each development camp, each rookie camp, uh, even into the Golden Knights training camps that he has been a part of before returning to the WHL, he has, um, I think, just looked the part. Um, and, and acted the part so well that uh, he forced the team into the decision of having him in the NHL this year. Now, there were a couple injuries, Alex Tuck, Cody Eakin, to start the season. But Cody Eakin's back, and Cody Glass is still on the roster. They're not going to scratch Cody Glass. He had a great playoffs as he turned pro in the Calder Cup playoffs with uh, the Chicago Wolves. team made it to the Calder Cup finals before losing to the Charlotte Checkers. But he, he was instrumental in that team's run. So poise is the word Paul Stastny used. I can't think of a better word. Max Pacioretty has talked about, I can tell Cody, I'm going to go here, make the pass there, but if Cody sees the play is not there, he won't force it. And that's not a skill that most 20-year-olds have. No, it is not. Dan Duva on the line with us, Vegas Radio play-by-play man. Mark andre Fleury has had an 
unbelievable career, and I'm just curious in that market because him and Pekka have been top goaltenders, number one elite goaltenders for a long time. But they're both mm. at that age where you know age is always brought up, right? I think I think Fleury's going to be 35 and next month, and so you know right. when you get to a certain age as a professional athlete, whether there's a dip at all, people are just going to ask, you know, like, oh man, is you know what at what point do you do? so? How does Fleury handle those those discussion pieces, and how is he playing right now? Yeah, I mean, he handles it like he handles everything else with a huge smile. <laughs> he is always laughing. Uh, he's always. I, I talked to him this morning about whether uh, he had ever played three games in three days. And in the NHL, they don't have three and threes. It's been a long time. And even in the American Hockey League, he said, you know, the team might have had three games in three days. I never played in all three, I don't think. The numbers uh, seem not to indicate that. But he remembers just thinking about dressing for that third game, even if he wasn't going to play in it. And uh, I think that Mark loves playing the game so much that uh, it, it doesn't bother him, especially at this stage of the season. Malcolm Subban was injured in the first period in Arizona last week. So Flurry had to make his first Golden Knights relief appearance, somewhat unexpected. And if Malcolm Subban was still healthy, he probably put have, would have played one of the two games on back-to-back over the weekend. Instead, Flurry has appeared in all but one period of the Golden Knights season so far. Um, but in talking with Gerard Gallant, he said that Mark andre Fleury is an athlete. I mean, you look at the guy, um, he's a, about a year older than me, uh, and you would have no idea that he's a year older than me by looking at him. <laughs> he is just one of those guys who is uh, so conditioned. Um, he, he defies age, it seems to me. And also, um, he's a competitor. He wants to play. He, he loves going out there, and his numbers bear it out when he plays on shorter rest. When he's playing more games, seems to do better. So he just loves the game. He doesn't wear a, a C or an A on his sweater. But uh, to me, he is the emotional core of this team. I feel like you're talking about Pekka, too, because that's the same thing yeah, here. Yeah, I mean, no, he would yeah, play eighty. Yep. He would play eighty-two games if you if you let him. Obviously, yep. that's not the case. And and Pekka's starts have gone down the last couple of seasons. Of course, it doesn't hurt to have UC Soros behind him. So, with that being said, I mean, Flurry had sixty-one starts. Do you anticipate his numbers of starts going down this year, or what, what do you think that that right number is going to be? And it probably would have been higher than 61 if it weren't for a minor injury late in the regular season. He was on pace for uh, more than 65. So when you think about uh, the start to this season that he's played in this many games, um, we remember two years ago he was injured in the fourth game and missed two months. So he played fewer than 50 in year one, which maybe allowed him to have a strong run through the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, The the health of Malcolm Subban is the question. He's listed as day-to-day right now. Um, he has been injured himself quite a bit in each of the two Golden Knight seasons. Malcolm Subban has missed time, too. And we remember the, the infamous run of goalies two years ago. Uh, Oscar Dansk was the third goalie. He had the first shutout in team history. Then he got hurt. Max Legacy came in. And they even brought up the uh, emergency goaltender, Dylan Ferguson, who was in the WHL and Kamloops at the time, just 18 years old. So uh, they survived all of that. But the new equation has Garrett Sparks, who had been with the Toronto Maple Leafs organization, not a ton of NHL experience, but in his long Vegas preseason game, had a shutout. Uh, looked very good in his first game with the Chicago Wolves. So I don't know if he's the option. Right now, Oscar Dansk is the guy on the roster, but he hasn't appeared in an NHL game since he got hurt in Brooklyn two years ago. Um, so I, I think that this is an organization that would love to see Malcolm Subban succeed. Right now, the trouble is just keeping him healthy. 
Dan Duva is with us, the play-by-play man for radio for Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights as they take on the Predators coming up later on this evening. Now, we, we've seen the Predators have their struggles last season on the power play. That has started to turn itself around, but Vegas very good on the penalty kill. Uh, how much are you looking forward to that matchup tonight as uh, we know there's probably going to be an extra man for either side during this game? Yeah, there there, there has been a lot of happy coaching uh, in this Golden Knights room in the first uh, few weeks of the season with the penalty kill by percentage, best in the league, coming off a three-power play goal game. Uh, the, the the thing that intrigues me uh, the most is how many chances the Knights have had shorthanded, short three shorthanded goals, and uh, each unit that they put out there seems to generate those chances. It's been mostly Will Carlson and Riley Smith, but Mark Stone, too. And then uh, all, each of those three guys I mentioned are instrumental on the power play. Um, so the, 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 at the same time, they're, they're not racking up crazy minutes. It's not like McDavid minutes where they're up 27 minutes a game. Mark Stone might play 20-21, but that's on the high end. Um, so the, the, it's, uh, the, it all comes back to the goalie on the penalty kill. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury has been dazzling so far. Can he keep up the consistency? Each game that he started has been a quality start. But, yeah, the penalty kill is, uh, is an interesting thing to watch because they don't change anything. You know, Gerard Gallant has been asked about it several times. You know, what's going well on the penalty kill? He says, we're not changing anything. They're just going out there and getting the job done. Marc-Andre Fleury happens to be our best penalty killer. So uh, it's a roll of the dice each time, but it looked very good against a, a Kings team that moved the puck very well and just couldn't score on the power play a couple of days ago. Dan, I, I was reading the, the morning skate primer uh, from the Vegas Golden Knights website, and this, this floors me that if the Vegas Golden Knights win tonight, it would be the 99th win in franchise history in a short, short amount of time. When you took this job, did you ever imagine that it would all happen this quickly? And that's, of course, we know what happened their first year going to the Stanley Cup final, but it's hard to believe they're already close to 99 wins. Yeah, no, no I, I don't think that uh, I had – uh, expectations. I mean, we, we hardly thought beyond the first month of the season, let alone the first uh, first year or even a uh, couple years down the line. But you knew that the, there were really smart people here, uh, and, and uh, who knows what that leads to. But you've got whether it was Bill Foley as the owner, George McPhee, uh, Kelly McCrimmon, who Kelly had never been in NHL anything uh, until George McPhee hired him to be the assistant GM. And now there's been sort of a management reorganization. George remains the president of hockey operations, and Kelly McCrimmon promoted from assistant GM to GM. Kelly's done everything uh, in the WHL as the owner, coach, GM, uh, bus driver, you name it, for the Brandon Wheat Kings. And now he's putting all of that experience to use in the NHL. So it, it doesn't surprise me that they've had success simply because of the people that they have put in place on the hockey side, on the business side. I mean, that is as amazing as the hockey success is the the um, the imprint they've made on the community here. I mean, you can't go anywhere without seeing Golden Knights stuff, and it, it only seems to be growing. I, I thought it hit a fever pitch during the Stanley Cup playoffs, but uh, it, it is it is really amazing what the community has done to respond to the organization. So I, I, I didn't think they they get to 99 wins uh, this quickly. I probably had not mapped it out that far, but on a daily basis, we're reminded that this fan base. Um, much the way, you know, when you talk to folks around the league, what are some of the, the, the coolest environments to go? And it's not only because of the winning, it's because of the fans. Nashville and Vegas come up time and time again with anybody you talk to. So uh, when Vegas comes to Nashville, it's a lot of fun. And when Nashville comes to Vegas, also a lot of fun. So we're looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun tonight, Dan. Really appreciate the visit. Thanks for doing it. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you down the road.
Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you soon. All right, that is Dan Duva. He is the Vegas radio play-by-play man. Back to wrap up Tuesday's edition of Darren, Donick, and Chase next. There's no doubt that Vegas and Nashville are the two hot spots for road trips. Maybe there's some Preds fans that have taken the trip out there. Picture Chase McCabe getting off the plane, his first trip to Vegas, got the headphones on, little Elvis Presley. I might have been dancing when I was walking off the plane. I was so excited to be there. I believe you. Yeah, I was. I won't hide it. I hit a slot machine in the airport on the way to get my bags. <laughs> I was like, let's do this. I like it. Um, you can be excited to go to Smashville Live. It returns tomorrow night at Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. That's in East Nashville, located at 1003 Russell Street. That'll be from 7 until 8 o'clock. The live guest tomorrow night will be former Predator J.P. Dumont. First 50 people will have an opportunity to get an autograph and a picture. Fans can register to win two tickets to an upcoming Predators home game. Also, Nash and the Energy Team will be present as well. Smashville Live brought to you by the new Amsterdam Vodka, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, and Red Spirits and Wine. A lot of you get out there. J.P. Dumont. Boomba's Craft Pizza. We need Tap to have good place, by Paul the McCann needs to be there to introduce J.P. Because that was one of his signatures. Mm-hmm. Sure so. was. So it should be a fun game tonight. Uh, if you missed our conversation with... Predators GM David Poyle, he joins us every Tuesday at 11.15. He told us that the team has placed Daniel Carr on waivers. And I've got 24 hours to see if he passes through waivers or if he's picked up by somebody. But we'll know in the next 24 hours. As we said, we suspect he'll probably pass through. I hope he does. I liked him, you know, in the short amount of time that we've gotten to know him. I feel like... There's definitely something there, but now go back to something I said earlier that, you know, he it's not going to do him any good to be scratched for a handful of games and then play in like a fourth, third line situation. I mean, if he's truly considered to be a goal scorer, then send him to Milwaukee, let him get some confidence back, as David Poyle was saying, and, you know, be, be in a situation where he can play night in and night out and then see what you got later on. I mean, they have the depth that they can bring somebody up and – you know, have that where, uh, you know, he can get some playing time. So I hope it works out because uh, I think they're they're not ready to give up on him by any means. It's just now it's a let's let's get him some playing time, get him some confidence back. Ironically, uh, he will not be in the lineup tonight. Ironically, he played six games with Vegas last year. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. So, and David Poyle said he's on the trip. So, um, you know. Do wonder, but you know, guys that really stood out. Rim Pitlick was one of those guys mm-hmm. that really stood out in camp and in preseason. I wonder when Rim Pitlick's going to get his first crack. Well, because you have you have a lot of different choices. Number one, as David Poyle told us, you know, with only they had twenty two on the roster, now they're going to be at twenty one. You know, they do have some room that they could bring up two more people if they wanted to. Um, now, where they'd fit in the lineup, you know, that's that's something to figure out. Could somebody, could a defenseman be the call up and carry an extra defenseman? So, you know, that's something that you have to see. But yeah, I'm I agree. Um, 
could it be a Rem Pitlick? Could it be Ali Tolvanen? Could it be Mika Salamaki, Freddie Gaudreau, someone we've seen before? But I, I go back to the original point that if you like the lineup that you currently have, Rocker Grimaldi's going back out tonight, then are you calling – you don't want to call up a Rem Pitlick or an Ellie Tolvanen especially and have them just sit. You want them to play. No, so no doubt. It would be to play if one of those guys comes up. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt they're, they're back in Milwaukee so they can play. Yeah, and, and I've been of the belief that you wait – let's say you get to game 20 and you're still trying to find out – you know who that that other winger is on the Johansson line, and if you still haven't figured it out, then maybe that's when you look at okay, does Tolvin and fit there? Do you give Tolvin in a shot to see how he plays with Arvidsson and Johansson? I don't think they're at that point yet. I think that's more of a you know a little later on down the line, but I think that's something they could look at. A little late night hockey tonight. Hope a lot of you get to check it out. Should be a fun game as the Predators game two of their uh, this road trip. It'll finish out in Glendale, Arizona, Thursday night. Same time, same channel. Different team, the Coyotes. Yes, the Coyotes. Everybody have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. We look forward to that. Stay tuned. Jared and the GM, that's next.